0: Tain podcast.
1: Hey, Gangro I wanted to tell you about another podcast, the MarTech Podcast, hosted by Benjamin Shapiro, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. I was a guest on this podcast, and he talks through marketing and stories around world-class marketers using technology to generate growth and achieve business and career success um he's got a ton of stuff around data-driven marketing blurring the lines between sales and marketing i had one around customer success so listen to the martech podcast wherever you get your podcasts
2: so ryan this conversation this uh, conversation topic came from you last time so you have to answer first Ryan, what have you read recently and what did you read it on
0: verbally or typing christian
2: uh you verbally but feel free to put it in the chat as well everyone else is oh, right. just trickling through put yours in the chat
0: all right yes we spoke a lot about reading um last time we were together and in, in the prep in preparation i would say i i split this in two ways as uh, i love my job and learning about Um, learning about all things marketing and customer relationship and bigger business, but um, I also find myself very interested in humanity as a whole, Um, and so I've actually been reading papers on policy and education um, and sharing freedom of speech probably pretty topical, but pretty important to me. Um, And then in a business context or more uh, related to being in the state of mind of human beings right now, there's a book called Flux, Eight Superpowers. It's too long for me to remember, but effective enough for me to communicate um, by my friend, April Rennie, really talking about how change and the speed of change is unprecedented and it's not going to stop. And so us being able to operate um, in that environment is very important on behalf of our employees and you know all of consumers so hello to everyone and that's what I am reading I encourage I encourage you all to read Flux
2: that is a strong reading list thank you for sharing that's very cool uh, Carrie. what about yourself I saw a story of us I've never heard of it
3: uh it's a, it's a book about <clears throat> um, archaic humans and uh and modern humans uh, together but kind of a day in the life what uh our precursors uh, prior to uh, becoming modern humans would have been like uh, across a time scale of, of a million or so years. Uh, I'm fascinated by archaic humans and modern humans and how we got to be this way and also the idea that uh, there could have been somebody walking around in a body and a brain a lot like mine 40, 50,000 years ago, uh, you know, sleeping on rocks, hunting and gathering for food um, I get kind of pissy if my latte isn't perfect in the morning. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm fascinated by that. <clears throat> That's me.
2: Awesome. And Jay, yourself?
4: Uh, yeah, I wonder what they did back then, Carrie, for their lattes. It must have been terrible. Terrible. Um, yeah, terrible. So uh, I last year I I read like 40 books, and I was trying to do 50. But it, and I, when I say read, I mean listen, because I listen to books. I don't read them. Uh, anymore, I don't have that attention span, um, but I burn myself out on on books. So I've been listening to a lot of podcasts this year. That's been my thing, and I'm go- I'm going to do four books this year is what I decided. that I'm going to go deep. Anyway, all of that to say, my favorite book, which I actually read twice last year, was Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. Just a great entrepreneur entrepreneur story. Um, and just to see how they built that company from the ground up, you know, all the different things. And they, they very, um, just a very fun story. So if you haven't read that one, I'd highly encourage it.
2: I've only heard good things about that book. Great. What, what era of Nike does it go up to? Is it till modern day or like 10 years ago? Um,
4: pretty much after they went public, it ends after they went public. So it's the whole story of the founding and the twists and turns and the near death, you know? experiences that they had the company had and uh just fascinating parts of it are absolutely hilarious too because they were not real business people they were athletes so yeah it was was so much fun fun read for sure christian
0: i was gonna say to my friend my new friend jay i'm also reading all the posts i know you have a really great podcast but the community built in your commentary. I was like, look at this fodder. We don't even need to come today. We've got a bunch of experts that respond to you. So hopefully some of them are here today.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone who's joined. If you've discovered us uh, via PlanHats LinkedIn or Jay's LinkedIn post as well in in the comments there, thank you for coming along today. Um, Really excited to be joined by Jay Nathan, Kerry Cunningham and and Ryan Laredo as well. As you know you can see it on the screen and you signed up for it we're going to be talking about leading and lagging metrics but before we jump in there are three housekeeping things i just want to go through first of all yes absolutely this webinar will be recorded don't worry we will share the recording if you signed up and it will be available on our website as well two things after that one there is QA section if you look down at the bottom of your zoom screen if you've got any questions you want to ask the panelists please feel free to put it in there. You can then actually vote on each other's questions as well. So the best ones we can bring to the front. We'll save time at the end for questions, but if there's a really good one, we'll actually bring it forward as well. So please use that. Equally, if you just want to share a comment, use the chat box. More than happy to kind of speak with everyone there. So let's go for that too. Um, Without going any further into the housekeeping, uh, Jay, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, maybe everyone knows you from LinkedIn and and your success there, but a little bit of background.
4: Yeah, sure. Uh, Jay Nathan, I'm um, Chief Customer Officer at Higher Logic. I've been in the software world for about 20 years. Um, I live in South Carolina on the East Coast of the United States. So we're coming to you from the Eastern time zone. Um, three kids, one wife, one dog, a few other animals, play guitar. That's my, my, my guilty pastime. Uh, but great to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: Awesome. Thank you for joining. And uh, Ryan, if you wouldn't mind going next.
0: Sure. Ryan Laredo coming from the central time zone in the Americas, out of Chicago, chief customer officer at Smartly.io, which is a social uh, advertising bringing together media and creative automation on behalf of brands. Enough of that pitch. Um, Been in uh, technology for 15 years on the customer front leading change currently in uh, my role responsible for all post sales health and growth Um, so i think a lot of what we're talking about today is relevant i don't have my statistics down but also two kids one husband (laughs) and a partridge in a pear tree somewhere in my house because i love to decorate Um, that's my passion
2: brilliant and uh carrie as well really excited to have you here today we're really customer success focused as, as a company and as a webinar series. So it's really fun to bring you with a little bit of more product background. So if you wouldn't mind sharing for everyone.
3: Sure thing. Uh, so Kerry Cunningham, I'm with uh, Six Sense uh, today. I started with Sixth Sense about seven months ago, but I spent the last almost eight years at Serious Decisions and then uh, at Forrester after Forrester acquired uh, Serious Decisions. Um, at Serious Decisions, I was co-author of the Demand Unit Waterfall. Um, and then it's Successor, uh, which was released in May this year. Um, and part of the uh, part of what we did with the Successor to the Demand Unit Waterfall this year was introduce the concept that every uh, revenue opportunity that you have should be in your waterfall, not just the net new. Uh, and if you're in marketing and the only thing that you're concerned about is net new uh, opportunities for revenue. Uh, you've excluded yourself from 80% or so of the revenue for, for the company, which seems a little limiting, uh, so, so that's that. And I've spent about 25 or so years uh, in marketing. Um, I've got a Taylor guitar uh, as well, so uh, that's good stuff. There's two of us on the panel, that makes me happy.
2: Awesome, well, without further ado, let's jump into it. Le- leading or lagging metrics, it depends, I suppose. Ryan, I'd love to start with you. How how do you view leading and lagging metrics in your role? And kind of how do you bring that into health scores as well, which I know is really important for everyone here.
0: Yeah, so big, big meaty question. I'm glad I get to kick off um, in our preparation sessions. Um, I talked a lot about how thinking of any one metric and putting it into a bucket of leading and lagging is really going against the principles of thinking about how to effectively communicate value. Um, what is a leading indicator to one carry over here, focused on marketing may think of an NPS score as a whole and that promoter score as a leading indicator into the health of our business and being able to then take a look at different segments of our customer base and say, let's go after more of those. For me, however, as a practitioner of customer success and overall customer of health, I look at NPS as a very much a lagging indicator in which there was probably many more steps ahead of that response that we got um, that told us what it was going to be. And so our focus right now at Smartly and really what I um, I would encourage everyone to do is to look at what metrics mean what to whom and how do you use them to back into um, a health score? In many ways, health scores are very focused on current customer engagement and intention, intention to grow or stay, or even, hopefully, in marketings, uh, with marketing's help, um, share out their loyalty and recruit even more. For me, um, it is very much a combination of in, uh, it, we're in software, so um, in application usage from our users, in that real time, not only what are they telling us through customer satisfaction responses, you know, one, two, five stars with some commentary um, about their interactions with our support staff, to what aren't they telling us? What paths are we seeing them get stuck within their value journey within our, uh, within our technology? And how do we better eventually, if not today? Get in the way of those with design. And get in the way means to course correct them on their learning journey to get the most value out of our product and services. So for me, when we talk about how do we bring them into health score, what I would say is, yes, customer satisfaction scores that are more real time from support or product usage are very important. Make sure they're tied together. Make sure you have metadata associated against Um, different timelines that they've been your customers, so their maturity, um, the different uh, types of features, and maybe the the savviness in your tool because you should be responding in a more personalized way with your health metrics and always coming back and balancing with the lagging indicator, how right were my leading? And again, taking it that one step further and saying to whom is important. Um, so I'll leave it with that. I know we have a lot of other experts here. So Jay and Carrie to add on.
2: I love it. So just I want to check in on that. You're saying you use the the leading to kind of not predict, but you then have a strong opinion on what you believe the lagging indicators, the future indicator will be. And you yes. then can go, okay, was this actually useful? Okay, awesome. Yeah.
0: And have and having data science and, and, and product and engineering involved is absolutely necessary how do you get things done in a silo slowly or not at all? Not at all. And so, (laughs) so bringing, um, so bringing along the rest of leadership and and really being forthcoming with why these metrics matter. And even if they may matter in different ways um, to different parts of the organization is a critical part of making an impact.
2: Yeah. Jay, I, I cut you off before. Please, I'd love to. No, hear you no, it's
4: okay. No worries at all. I think, you know, for for me, metrics are a proxy for the real world, right? We always need to remember that. And, and so, whatever we're trying to accomplish ultimately, if you're working in a SaaS company or any, any technology company or any company that's got a recurring revenue stream, you want to grow, right? You want to grow bookings, you want to retain customers, your net revenue retention. Uh, there's metrics underneath that, of course, and then you you at some point as you scale and grow, you also want to you know have cost efficiencies as well. So, and then at the end of that, you have a successful business from a pure business standpoint. So, what I like to do when I'm thinking about metrics is have my teams think about what what is the impact that you're making on those things, what are the the indicators for you that that tell us you're you're doing a good job there, creating a great customer experience that leads to those things. And then, how do you measure it every day? Just a quick story. Um, we we have uh, metrics that we look at in our support team, right? So, under CCO at Higher Logic, support customer success. We have an implementation team, services team, so on and so forth. And um, you know, we have a very specific metric. We we look at the number of of support cases that we get solved within three days. Okay. And we have a threshold that we try to meet there. And, and we were under that threshold in Q4. And so we worked really hard to say, hey, what's going on here? So we peeled
3: the number apart. And what we had to do is get into that feeling. Their,
4: some of their queries weren't getting answers as quickly as we expected them to. And so we had to go look at leading indicators. How quickly were we responding to the customer when they actually sent us a, a case in the first place. Um, how quickly were we assigning it to the right person within our team? So those are the things that we actually started to track. Those are the leading metrics that lead to that outcome metric. That outcome metric of three-day resolution time becomes uh, a, a, a leading indicator to, to the customer experience in general and probably our CSAT scores. We also saw our CSAT go up. So I, I, I always say, don't, don't set a goal think about the habits or the things that you need to do day after day that help you achieve what you want to achieve from an outcome perspective, measure that first, right? And, and it'll result in what you want. So, but the, we, we can hit more of the topics on that later, but you know, that, that's just a story I think is really interesting relative to this whole, whole thing.
2: Yeah, perfect. And Kerry, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this experience as well, because partly some of the data points we're talking about in customer success being leading or lagging are are vice versa when it comes to your domain. So talk to us.
3: Well, yeah. So if you could flip, you could flip one of those around right away and say that, you know, for instance, your net revenue retention from existing customers is a uh, leading indicator of how hard it's going to be uh, to make your revenue goals next year. There's that, right? So uh, if it isn't good, uh, your uh, your net new customer acquisition is going to be more important, but also more expensive. Uh, we did, as we were building the last version of the waterfall, we did uh, a lot of work to try to figure out, you know, what, is it, uh, what does it mean if you lose a customer to how you're going to have to either get new cross-sell opportunities or identify net new customers? And It looks something like this. Of course, everybody's mileage uh, varies a little bit, but if you lose an existing customer, then if you think about how many uh, cross-sell opportunities in other accounts you would need to replace that, it's something like 30 uh, pipeline opportunities to replace that one that you just lost. And that's an insight that's with an existing customer. If you're talking about net new customers, you're probably gonna need something like a hundred net new customers at stage one uh, to replace that one that you lost, because uh, that's what the 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 uh, the numbers look like. So and the, the other thing is that when you lose a customer, uh, you not only lose. So if you have multiple solutions, if you only have one solution, you lose a customer, you lose a customer. But if you have multiple solutions, um, the easiest way for you to m- make additional revenues to sell that customer is something else, right? Those are much higher. Uh, conversion rate opportunities—they close in a shorter amount of time. They cost a lot less to do. So if you lose one of those, you actually lose all of those cross-sell and upsell opportunities at the same time. So you've yep. now just made the world substantially more difficult for yourselves, right? So it's uh, one that is super extra double important, and it's a this is the lagging indicator for customer success, but the leading indicator for net new revenue and really every other kind of revenue as well.
0: Profitability. Yeah. yeah.
4: Carrie, d- d- when you churn customers, it also reduces your TAM, right? If, if your TAM totally. isn't growing yeah. fast enough, you're actually eating yeah. away at the customers that you can ever sell to again, right? right? So it's an interesting phenomenon to think about.
0: Yeah, I think Carrie, yeah. on that point also, um, we've brought in some of these leading indicators of success into when are we ready and how do we go about upselling cross-sell? If someone is True. very unhappy, you're wasting time, you're wasting money. So Bringing that in as a leading indicator of potential to grow um, again in a different in a slightly different vein of usage is something that we take very seriously when we're going through and talking about how do we how do we plan out the growth of these of these customers.
3: 100 percent. You know, when we. We think about it. What we want all organizations to do is map out their TAM, but not in terms of accounts, in terms of potential opportunities, yeah. right? And think about at the offering level. So if I've got three offering, three major offerings and 1,000 companies, my TAM is 3,000 opportunities. So when you combine uh, what Jay just said and what uh, 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 Ryan said i just said it right yeah sorry uh, then then what you've got is exactly that that um, if you take if you've got three potential opportunities inside an account and you lose one account in that opportunity you actually take you're taking down three opportunities uh, all at once right um, exactly. and also you know easier ones uh, as well so it's a uh, it's Really, not a good idea. You should really not lose any customers, this is what you should be trying <laughs> just to do. Keep them all, all right, just keep all the Yeah.
0: And I all. think, Jay, as we go and explore, like measurement is big for us, and we could talk more about that. Like, how do we measure? How do we make sure we're measuring? You know, it's great to set out this is leading, this is lagging, and for us to say, go do it, health, everything's going to be great, you're going to grow. But the reality is that um, there is a bit of analysis that needs to be done, and we need to be thoughtful about it because. Um, one of the things in, in a form of short story, when I started working, I spent billions of hours, it feels like in Excel. Um, and I was actually working in um, a bit of an analyst role. And I spent a whole lot of time figuring out why a cost per something um, for customers. it was auto customers at that point, you know, was so high. But what I forgot to do was filter for the zeros where we had no conversions. And I remember that landed with me so much in terms of like the principles of investigation towards finding a solution is where are we not hearing? Where are we not hearing that we can't go back to, oh, you know, a piece of data and say we could have done better. What are things we're not understanding that are leading to the lagging indicators? And so for us, we're on a bit of a data mining like what are all the touch points we could have in which we could predict because it isn't always straightforward. And so we look for those zeros um, and try to engage where we aren't hearing from people at the uh, cadence that we'd like. And we started to do it in all different ways because the world has changed a lot um, and making it easy, but um, balancing that with an intimacy in which you get accurate information from individuals is a real, real focus for us.
4: Yeah, Perfect. great, great point there. And just to add on to it, customers you don't hear from in your surveys and your CSAT, you know, they're the, the statistic is three to fourteen times more likely to churn than the ones you are hearing from that are giving you a detractor rating. So super important. One of the I was gonna try to bring it back to customer success for a minute, if that's okay, Christian, because the the tricky thing here for CSMs is in CS teams is what are the leading things, activities that you can do that you need to measure that will actually have an impact on net revenue retention? That's a pretty hard question to answer in practice because there's so many factors. There's customer fit, there's product suitability, there's product performance, there's expectations that support so many different factors affect how successful the customer is going to be with your product. So what is it that the CSMs need to do that you can measure that will, have a, that will have a meaningful impact on, on net revenue retention. That's a question we all need to answer independently for our, for our teams uh, because without that answer, I talk about this all the time on LinkedIn, you're gonna get pulled into support and that's what you'll be doing is yeah. it's just a glorified
2: so, white glove support. With that then, this perfectly takes us to the next section and we've also got a perfect Q&A session, uh, question to use for it. So the question is, what are the leading indicators you look for customer expansion, right? The question we're going to put it here is, what have you tried, what's worked, and what's failed miserably as well? So what did you think was going to be a good use, good identi- uh, indicator for the expansion that was a total miss? Who'd like to go first?
0: Um, I can go first. Uh, I, we really are focused, and my focus has been on, defining from what works within a, within a post-sales organization and bringing it up front and further rounding out an ideal customer profile. So in the pre-sale process at the end, we say, here's the likelihood to succeed based on historical facts um, about the customer that you know relates to the, the data we have about our existing customer base. That same thing we use on a feature or product or cross-sell as an aspiration. What are the best customers? What are the characteristics? What's the mindset and then taking in what is their current state of mind, whether that's thirsty, SAT or NPS depends on if they're a decision maker or a user and who can make the actual change for the upsell. Again, a bit customized, but for us, it's do they fit so that they can truly see value and, and are they in the right, right frame of mind um, that they want to make the decision? So those are ours. And then failing. I think I've failed so many times in my life at this. I'm pretty great at growing business, but- You know, it was more about talking to the wrong person. So it took too long. And then the deal um, died because you waited. And so sometimes you have to go find somebody else in which the fit of that product or service better serves with value.
4: Uh, Carrie, I don't want to take it too much of the mic and give you a chance to answer too, but I was going to say something very similar to what you just said, Ryan you got to make sure the demographics of the customer are right for whatever expansion you want to do. It's just because a customer is a customer doesn't make them a fit for your, your upgrades. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I actually one, one mistake that I've made in the past is thinking that the customer was, was not in a good place to call for whatever reason, they had a bad support experience. They had a bad interaction. They had a product issue when In fact, what I want to do is actually run those two things in parallel. They can be dissatisfied, but we should still be having expansion discussions because it's all about value. We're talking about value. So I think we can get uh, customer success teams can get a little bit in a a shell of like, hey, don't talk to the customer right now. They're not in a good place. However, I think there's there's an art to that, which is lets us be a little bit more. Uh, aggressive when it comes to working with a customer because all we're trying to do is put new value put additional value into the business they're going to tell you if it's not a right time, but at least have the discussion
0: right. Absolutely. Maybe
3: two small twists on that one is, um, uh, as Jay said. Uh, Sometimes your additional uh, solutions, additional offerings are just not a good fit for that particular organization. So every organization really has to be understood in reference to what it is that you're trying to sell them. Uh, And so you may not have an opportunity to sell them something else perfectly fine. You still need to keep them. Um, The second thing I would say is that um, what's really, really important is that the metric that you're measuring the customers against is aligned to the way they perceive the value. Yep. So and I, uh, so I my one of my former organizations was a really good example of how not to do it for a short while because we I remember we had uh, we've got a board we've got a meeting every week where we look at our top customers and we think through are they getting value how do we know they're getting value and all of that and we did that for I think a couple of months until somebody said you know what would be a good idea is if we actually just went and asked them uh, <laughs> right and like uh, okay uh, yeah. That helps a lot, right? <laughs> so actually find the people uh, who are responsible for whether your solution is helping them or not inside those organizations and understand what is of value to them. And, you know, one of the worst feelings is when that person describes a value that they're expecting to get from your solution that it just doesn't offer, right? Yep. And that happens all the time, right? All the time. Like, we don't even do that, right? That's not a thing that we do oh no, we better reframe this somehow, right? So understanding from your customer what they want and expect uh, and not trying to uh, shoehorn it into what you do, but to really understand what they're expecting. uh, I don't think that there's a substitute for that.
0: Yeah.
4: Better to know, right? And then you can have a partnership discussion. If you don't do it, is there a partner that you can go to to create a a program, right? Right.
0: Or can you bring it back to product and innovate alongside them? Um, In my space, we do a lot of that, uh, very fast Mm -hmm. moving. And so I find the answer to that question is no, but we can partner or no, not yet, but come help Mm -hmm. us build it. And so it's never all the way no, right? Um, Because we aim to be the advisors, the people they go to. And so a value that we don't usually attribute to ourselves, but that our customers do when we ask them, Carrie, is, well, you're my go-to. This is how I know I can trust you. You can lead me in my subject matter expertise. And that's clearly, um, you know, something we're proud of, but it takes a lot of work.
1: Hey, Gain, Retain. Customer expectations are at an all-time high. In fact, in a recent survey, 50% of customers said they would purchase more from companies with better customer service. With this increase in customer demand for personalized service, most businesses and CRM platforms can't keep up. HubSpot's Service Hub is authentic connected and more importantly easy to use featuring customer portals sla tracking and custom surveys hubspot service hub empowers your teams to deliver customer first experiences that deliver empathy at scale put your customer first with an easy connected platform that delivers authentic service learn more about hubspot's service hub at hubspot.com slash products slash service
2: Awesome. I'd like us to dive a little bit deeper on something then. So we've started on like leading indicators, lagging indicators. We've talked about how actually one of the key indicators you can get, which would be leading in my opinion, would be speaking to your customer. So let's kind of go a little bit meta within that. You're speaking to a customer. What are the leading indicators you're listening out for that they are a good fit and could be expanding with you? What do you want to be hearing that you're like, okay, this is good?
0: I usually hear in terms of like, they're not going to go anywhere. Um, The questions are, yeah, like we think you're, we think you're great. Your teams are great. The product is good. The team likes, especially when I'm talking to decision makers, the team likes your product. They like using it. Cool. All right. Probably not going to go anywhere if I'm talking to a decision maker, but I kind of get a fire burning inside of me, which is like, no, no we can do more. So in terms of intent to grow, it's things like they're bringing to me questions. They're bringing to me questions about how they can further utilize us. Um, They're telling me their problems, their Mm. greater problems that they may not assume that we have an answer to, but because we've established ourselves as a reliable and great partner on both the human and technology side, they, they are open. And so I would say when someone is open, uh, about their problems they're bringing you in to help solve it's a good indicator that there's high growth and high health um as a as a leading indicator from a conversation
2: awesome great answer kerry jay anything to add nothing anything nothing different?
4: to add that's a brilliant yeah. answer yeah it's very good
2: yeah i'm with you on that that was easy. I thought I was going to completely stump all of you. first answer. <laughs> you I, hope everyone, we, uh, I hope everyone, I hope everyone
0: not satisfied with happy customers. Like I'm not <laughs> satisfied with someone saying like, your support is great. We're happy five minutes. Great. I gave you five minutes. Right. So you're good. And I'm like, no, no, let's go further together. Because otherwise we're only okay. It, in, in my world, we're only okay for six months or the time yeah. that that person decides they want to no, know good new rule. So there's no yeah. imminent churn, but there's not inherent strength, and I yeah. like to be strong with our relationships.
3: Yeah,
4: well, one of the one of the uh, biggest churn reasons in almost any company that I've ever been a part of or seen is when you lose a champion or a stakeholder. And so, to your point, Ryan, <laughs> like that may only, especially these days, right now, where you have a lot of turnover happening yeah. in a lot of organizations, it's it's uh it's critical to have. You know, have those next level conversations about where are we taking the relationship? What are we going to do next? How are we going to grow together? So, completely buy into that.
0: And can I talk to your CFO about how much value we provide, as articulated by you? Copy it, paste it, <laughs> and send it on over, right? Yep. I think that's an important point for all of us in this world of flux, as I called out earlier, is a word I focus on a lot from the book.
3: Yeah. I think also, um, this is uh, very closely connected to my last uh, comment as well, but it's uh, if the decision maker um, can articulate how they are going to or how they are experiencing the value, if they can't, that's still a problem. I mean, they still may be feeling it, but if they get asked by somebody else, their board or whoever it might be, and they cannot articulate it well, that's not going to be good. Right. So they've got to, you've got to have a mutual understanding with them about how they're going to get value. And then they have to be able to explain it to somebody. Um, And so when you're talking to them about it, um, sort of engineering a conversation uh, periodically where they sort of have to tell you how they're experiencing the value and what that is, uh, is important because uh, if they can't do it, you're still going to be in trouble. Right. Somebody else comes along that kind of does the same thing. You've got a competitor and they don't really have something strong to say about what they get from you, you know, that opens the door for the other guy.
0: You, you write down the success in their words and make it transferable within their organizations, much mm. more solid position, yeah, yeah. much yeah. more solid position, Carrie. And with like um,
2: with these metrics we've been talking about, like how granular do you think you should go when setting them for others within your organization? You, know, do you do you, you know, with CSMs in particular, we hire really smart, capable people that have the flexibility, that have the intuition to interact with people. Do you want to really set them up with firm metrics, even down to how many conversations they should be having and how they, how many champions they need? Or where do you guys start and stop in that?
3: Yeah, I'll jump in for a second here. Um, I think, yes, you do. Um, what, what's really important is that you don't simply uh, push your metric down to them. Um, no metrics matter if the person who's uh, accountable for them can't actually do anything about it, right? So the, the most common one I see is where, uh, you know, in the an SDR BDR is comped on uh, closed one revenue. Well, there's nine months or six months between the time they send an opportunity yeah. to a sales rep and that thing closes. Total waste of time. It won't motivate them. They won't do one thing differently today because they have that in their pay plan. So it's it's the same with virtually every metric. It has to be a thing that they control that's closely tied to the outcomes that you want. But it, it you know the further downstream you go, it's not going to be that, that closely tied. It's going to be closely tied to the next thing along the path. Yeah. And that's really important. The other thing though, is that, Leading and lagging metrics, um, if it's leading or lagging for me, it's usually because of my function, right? So a, a leading indicator for me is a lagging indicator for the person uh, that uh, that I'm receiving work for from. Those things have to be completely aligned. And one question to ask about every metric is, can that person blow it out of the park on that, and I'm the next person in line and I still fail? Right? Yeah. So can the BR team blow it out? And and the sales team fail. Can the customer success team blow out their goals, and then the the revenue team altogether fail? Right. If if that's the case, then you don't have a good metric. It's like a really simple way to think about it. Great answer. I think we can Ryan, in- anything to add?
4: Yeah. yeah, I think we can get into this place where you have too many metrics and none of them mean a whole lot, and you don't really know what yeah. moves the needle and what doesn't. I worked for a company at one point. We had this. Meeting every week or so, every other week where we reviewed the dashboard. The CEO was in the meeting. Literally, you walked through this thing with hundreds of metrics. Um, and it was just it was cool, it was novel that you could track all that stuff, but there was no clear indicator of the number one thing that was most important for each team, right? And it, it gets back to that three-day metric that I talked about earlier. That for our team in Q4 was the number one thing. And we worked on it, we looked at it. We also looked at the other stuff, okay. Just, Did quality satisfaction go down as we were driving that number up? Um, You always want to have a counterbalance to a metric like that. But, you know, think about one or two things that really move the needle. Start there. And then back to Ryan's point, make sure they actually move the needle. (laughs) Because you can also go check it. Like I said, it's a proxy for reality. Go check reality every once in a while. Did the leading thing actually have the impact we expected it to. And maybe to Carrie's point, you have to go talk to somebody to figure out whether that was true, right? We can't run the entire business only by metrics. It does not make sense. You have to have the qualitative feedback from your customers to know whether you're hitting the mark or not, ultimately to test those metrics.
0: Yeah. Carrie and Jay, great points. Um, The way we orchestrate and bring together our metrics. So right now, uh, based on our current initiatives, we're measuring throughout the organization, our net promoter score uh, and getting it to a certain amount. Um, And underneath that, there are different teams and work streams that have um, things that build up into that. So you've got to have that connectivity and you've got to have data that shows this is going to influence on that. Then there's just a baseline of foundational things that you should also be working on that sure you can come back and measure, as I said, like tune, tune. We talked about guitars, I don't play it. I would very much love to hear you two play, um, but very much um, having a baseline, whether that's time to resolve, that's a standard that you have so you don't drop the ball there it becomes more of a look at it and make sure you see if things are going out of bounds, but you've got to focus on just a few things. And specifically um, for an example, like within our MPS, um, we saw key decision-maker intimacy as an area of opportunity. So our CSMs are very focused then on meeting or covering a certain percentage of their top tier customers and setting key executive and technical decision makers. So we're pretty prescribed but it fits into a puzzle that's based on facts that gets us all towards a goal at the organization that moves our business forward. So that's what we're doing.
4: That's a huge point. Can I keep going on that for a second, Christian? So one of
0: my favorite
4: books and authors is Patrick Lencioni in the, in the book is called the advantage. Um, There's a number of different books out there, just like operating business operating system kind of things, but, the Advantage really gives you a structure for thinking about what's important right now and then what are the operating metrics of the business. And so to, to your point, Ryan, just putting some more words around that, we, we actually use the Advantage to run Higher Logic as sort of our operating model. And you have operating metrics, which are just the things you're keeping an eye on, making sure we don't slip. And then you have metrics that are really related to what we call defining objectives, which are this quarter, it is most important that we have like you said i think of stakeholder in intimacy executive stakeholder intimacy right we're going to go build that that's our rally cry for this quarter here's how we're going to measure it you go through and do that did it move the needle and then you you might move to a different initiative in the next period but it's really all about improving the operational effectiveness of the team through that period yep. of time and then you build on top of that then you assume that that is just happening now, and then you go on to the next objective. So, uh, I really like that concept, Ryan, and that that book I would highly recommend it for folks oh, who. Oh, are... so good. Yeah,
0: so good. And the foundation—if you don't have a good foundation, you're chasing. You're chasing. I'm telling you, you're going yeah. to not have. Here's our standards, and so it's everything could be a problem or everything could be the solution. So you've got to give yourself a good baseline.
4: And it doesn't all have to ladder up either, like. If you have a good purpose across the business or as high up as you can get it, so Ryan, for you, like even at the customer organization level, I do this sometimes with my team, set an objective there and say, look, your your lowest level team doesn't have to ladder up to the director, to the VP, to the CCO, but here's the vision for the company. You tell me what your objective is and how you're measuring it and have it mapped to that. And that's good enough, even if it's from the bottom up. So yeah. I think we can also get into that too. Like, everything's gotta be this perfect pyramid. It doesn't no. in my experience.
3: The, there's one other thing that uh, I think is really useful with specific customers, like uh, having this conversation with every customer uh, is doing a pre-mortem when you start uh, with a new customer. So, you know, we know, Let's let's understand what the story is that we wanna be able to tell at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year. Um, And then really dig into what are the things that are going to prevent us from getting there, right? If it doesn't work, why will it not have worked? Um, And we often tend to, especially when you're starting a new relationship really of any kind, you just look at the good stuff. You just think, oh, this is great. Okay, off we go, right? Um, It's really important to understand what could go wrong. And then it may be that you don't have a way now of measuring whether you're on the way to that bad thing happening and you've got to get one right? because you've got to know whether that bad Mm -hmm. thing is happening or starting to happen. So it's really important to think that through as you're starting. uh, I think any new relationship uh, in business, uh, it's just a good, good way to.
0: Any relationship in general, Carrie, I (laughs) I feel like I am an emotional support animal. (laughs) I feel like we could be the Oprah's I think Jay maybe is Oprah um, and he's invited us. Uh, to his show today. No, jo- all joking aside. I think that's absolutely critical. Call out all the things that could go wrong and talk about how you're going to approach them together.
2: And now we're in a world where you know the metrics you should focus on. Um, you know the company wants to focus on them with you. so how how are you making sure everybody on every day knows what they are? So so a plan hat we focus on making sure everyone can understand the customer and their success by making sure everyone can be in the same platform. I know that may not be possible for all organizations at the moment. How do you get everyone on the same page if they can't be in the same technology?
0: Putting it in front of them, giving them access to the information. These are human beings who want to see a purpose. They wake up and they're like, what am I doing today? You know, something to look forward to, to wake up and see the MPS. Uh, results in real time. Um, Really, um, what we've done is make a connectivity to information uh, quite a high priority for us. So we actually have an integration with our provider into our Slack um, channels. There's a channel that everyone has access to that gets real time. And then on a weekly basis, we summarize as NPS is a big goal for us, or like is the key goal um, within the framework of of success right now it's actually a company level goal we publish how we're doing on a weekly basis with themes but they can actually have access in real time i think it opens up curiosity which always leads to areas of um, further connection to the goals Um, and so we put it all out there but we also make sure that people understand it Um, and so there's a good amount of work that we have as practitioners to educate the organization on an ongoing basis. What is MPS? What does it stand for? What does success of the customer look like? What are all the you know questions we ask them? How do we interact? What do they use within our tool? I could go on with annoying questions of curiosity, but really that's important for us because that connectivity, um, I, as I said, further fuels curiosity, which to us has provided a lot of great results.
4: Perfect. Just to, add, I mean, to add what we do. I mean, we we think about, ha, ha, especially now. So HireLogic, remote first company. Now, um, we have people all over the world, all over North America, and but but as we've built out our communication strategy with our team, either at our team level at our company town halls, we're we're very deliberate about how we bring those some of those metrics and discussions you know into every level of you know communication cadence that, that we provide just to try to provide some connectivity to it the goal is to get everybody thinking about how they personally connect to the company goals you know with with a, with a leading indicator and back to what Ryan said and I think Carrie you you alluded to this at some point too it's all about the purpose right why are we here it can't just all be about business metrics, by the way, it has to be customer outcomes, even employee outcomes for our own team um, and that that sort of thing. So taking the thinking about the communication around it is really uh, an important
2: part of this. I think we've we've slowly kind of edged towards in a sense around kind of objective key results. So it's still mm-hmm. indicators, but it's tying it to an objective. Doesn't necessarily have to feed up to everything at the top. Yeah. I mean, yep. Kerry, have you tried uh, OKRs at any of your previous companies? Have you experienced them personally?
3: Um, yes, in a variety of different uh, formats. And um, I would, uh, just on this general discussion, I would, I would plus one the earlier comment about not having too many uh, measurements. Uh, there's just a, a limit to what most people are going to care about. Uh, and so you've got to pick the ones that actually matter, that the connection to the ultimate goals has to be really clear. Um, and if it takes you more than a couple of minutes to explain how it's calculated or whatever, it's probably not going to work uh, for you know, you right. know, people as you go down a few levels in the organization. So it's got to be pretty simple to understand. And then for any and everybody, it has to be something that's largely within their control. If you're going to measure them yep. on it, they have to be able to change it. And don't kid yourself into thinking that they can just because you want them to. Uh, it just you know, doesn't work that way. <laughs> right. So um, mm-hmm. to me, that's that's a, one of the single most important things. Then there's there's two things. I don't know if you're all familiar with the, uh, the Gallup organizations, workplace uh, research. But two really important questions uh, that everybody should be able to answer about how they're being measured in their job is, one, uh, do you understand it? Like, do you know what that is and and understand what you're supposed to be doing? And two, do you believe you have the tools and equipment, the training and all that to actually do it, right? So if you're going to assign metrics to somebody or some part of the organization, you have to be really clear about whether you're actually enabling that function to meet those goals. And, you know, what happens more often than not is, we either uh, kind of brush past it because we don't actually want to look into it. We just think it's a great metric and that's what we want to measure yeah. folks on. Uh, we read it in a, in a book. The book said it was great. So off, let's do it. Um, or we're just, you know, we're excited about it and it's wishful thinking, right? I just, yeah, we should be able to do this. We don't have, we haven't figured it out yet, but let's get it in play and then we'll figure it out. Yeah, no, you won't. Uh, <laughs> and in the, in the time that you don't, the people that you rely on, Are going to slowly uh, disengage uh, because they know they can't do it uh, or that it doesn't measure the thing that you uh, think it measures and they're just going to disengage so you just have to be really dead honest about it Um, be ready to say that really cool idea i just had it's nonsense and we can't do it right Um, and you've got to be ready to hear that and to do that
2: yeah so let's say we're in an organization and we're being you know, there's a, a leading metric as a company that we've been told to focus on, but each of you have found uh, what you think is a better metric. How would you try and go about having that conversation upwards in the organization to get realignment on what you think could be more, have greater potential for the business perhaps? So who would like to jump on that first?
4: I got a couple of ideas that come immediately to mind, but I, th- I think um, first of all, if you do that as an employee, I'm super impressed with that. So do that. What I would say is approach it with an open mind and in a a posture of learning so that you can understand why was that metric that you were handed? Why is that the metric in the first place? Um, Because there may be more context than you understand that hasn't been communicated well. We're all humans, right? And just because we're in positions of leadership doesn't mean we communicate real well. doesn't mean that we make that great of decisions all the time. Um, but in in more and more, like if we can have those open dialogues up and down uh, the the organizational chain, as it were, then I think we can make all that better. So those are the first two things that came to my mind.
0: Yeah, I um, would say my team, it it's we talk about customer experience, and I think we all know um it's not a trend. it's a reality that's very connected to our employee experience. And so having that connectivity and making these goals clear and making it achievable is all instrument like it's just so necessary to get things done but I think you have to have an openness if you own this you have to own the good the bad and the questions around it and it's a lot of work but you have to be willing to take to make a forum where people can give the feedback and make it clear that people can provide additional suggestions certainly people have done that to me a lot but I think it's about the environment that you push in and you know I um, have had conversations with. Um, senior leaders also about what you're saying is wrong about the where I am an expert, right? And so I think that there's many of us here probably on the call who um, have leaders in customer success, but many that are also leaders themselves in customer success. And I would say that it's important for you to advocate for what you know about the business and articulate that upwards because- Those are your internal customers as well. So some of the same things that you are utilizing (laughs) um, with your customers are skill sets that you can use to make the story and value and suggestions internally.
3: Get, uh, I, I think a somewhat unique uh, perspective here in that uh, spending uh, seven and a half or so years at Serious Decisions in Forrester, uh, a huge part of my mission the entire time was telling people that what they've been measuring on the demand and customer acquisition uh, part of things was wrong. Uh, so I did a presentation a couple of years back uh, and a bunch of research around it called why you're falling lead conversion rates are a good thing. Um, and another one most recently, uh, that was marketing sourced attribution is your pathway to irrelevance, right? So these are, these are two of the most important things that demand people look at, um, yeah. and they we've been looking at them for 15 years, roughly. And they're just wrong. They're not even wrong in a lot of cases. They're just like, it's a, it's a complete, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you, those two things actually don't have any, the way that they're measured has nothing to do with actually what you're producing, uh, in the organization. Now that conversation when you're trying to get a market to change is one thing. Inside an organization, it gets personal. Uh, and I think if you're going to have this conversation with people inside your organization, you've got to know um, one is this uh, something that somebody's been staking their career on? Because there are a lot of people who just stake their career on a certain kind of metric. And if it is, you're going to have to go slowly. There isn't going to be a slap in the face. Now you can change kind of thing. That's going to, that's going to happen. And the second thing is if you're going to say, here's a metric that, uh, that I think we should use instead of something that we've done. um, Your case has to be super solid, right? And you've got to be willing to have that conversation a number of times. Uh, in my case, it's like a thousand times over the last few years with, uh, with a whole bunch of different people. Uh, but you've just got to be uh, patiently, quietly, persistent, and build the case. And if somebody still isn't yeah. buying it from you, uh, you've got to think, okay, what is missing and how I'm uh, selling this metric, yeah. not why are they such a you know, so-and-so.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
2: This kind of takes us a little bit. To one of the, the questions, uh, how do you spot the difference between correlation and causation?
3: I'll Lots I'm, of smiles. I'll, Who'd yeah. like to jump in? I'll it? jump in really quickly. I love stats, um, and in some cases, um, it doesn't matter. So, uh, so if you're building a predictive model in business and there's a hundred variables in the model, it actually doesn't matter whether any of those variables are causally related to the outcome you're interested in. All you need to know is that it's an indicator that this outcome is gonna happen. If it's just correlated with it and it's the one I can see, totally fine, right? Yeah. Um, in general though, in the rest of the world, uh, you know, you need to know whether this thing that you're looking at is actually causally related. And oftentimes there's a third variable uh, that you're not looking at that actually is causing that thing. Um, I would say, again, you've just got to be really disciplined and honest about how you're looking at those metrics.
0: A big approach I have is progress over perfection. And you can wait forever to get a true correlation towards something, or you can act and do tests on things that appear to um, have a causation. And so I think it's important that, uh, excuse me, backwards, um, when you're correlating versus having the causation, taking some of those signals um, and having them and running and testing it, in a regular basis versus standing still. Because you're not going to get anywhere very quickly standing still and waiting. And so I very much think that getting those signals and deciding when is it enough to go on the correlation versus the causation is is a delicate balance that's important in this conversation that we've had today in terms of changing leading metrics, in terms of what kind of multiple do I put on this one versus the other to get to health. Uh, you've got to trust your gut a little bit and and have a little bit of tolerance to balancing both correlation and causation.
3: Awesome.
4: R- Ryan, Christian, Carrie, have you ever been in a company that had perfect data?
0: Hell no. no not, when I say those words data, here, yeah. I'm sorry. Apologies. It's sort of,
4: <laughs> so inappropriate to me, but I, I mean, a big hell no, right? And I, I think we we sometimes get caught up thinking about how to make things precise? And somebody else in the chat just made a a um, a comment about it too. We we get hung up over precision when all we need is directional accuracy. And a lot of times our data is such a mess in B two B and the relationship tracking and all that kind of stuff. We don't have strong data signals. Maybe outside of what our product can provide us, that might be the most foundational you know strong data set we have in a lot of cases. So, um, you know, it, it, for me, it goes back to validating what you see and whatever data you have with some contextual conversations you don't have to go talk to every customer but go talk to five or six right validate what you're seeing is there an actual pattern there is there something deeper at play
2: awesome so we're nearing the end and just to round up i'd like each of you to share the one thing you hope the audience takes away from today's session so jay what would be the one thing that you'd hope they take away from today's call
4: um, keep it simple, choose one thing, validate it. That was sort of three, but keep it simple.
2: <laughs> awesome. Ryan, what what would you pick?
0: Continuously test and learn to grow. Can't stand still.
3: Perfect. Kerry. Those are really good. So I'll just add to it. Uh, don't accept the measurements that, uh, you inherited, uh, in your role. Uh, there's a, ask questions about them, poke at them, uh, under, you know, validate, continually try to understand, does this really relate to the outcome that we're interested in? And ask questions about why, and then find somebody you can talk to who uh, doesn't know your business and tell them what you're trying to measure and see if they laugh at you. It's uh, a good idea.
2: Nice. You guys, I was giving you so many more, so much more time to answer that question. Well, I was going so to say, Carrie. Oh.
0: Carrie is profound. Has Carrie, your insights have been profound, and it makes me think of a woman who worked with for me, who was brilliant before, and she was call herself the perpetual toddler. Um, I don't know if she's definitely not on. Otherwise, she would be embarrassed that I was saying it. But it really was brilliant because she was always asking why, whether internally. And and I have young kids too, so the perpetual teller is like everyone probably knows if you've had kids or are around them what we're talking about why 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 this never Mm any questions that curiosity is important because it allows you to tie back um, you know the value whether it's internally getting things done or getting people connected and motivated or whether it's externally being able to establish why do you use us why do you think we're valuable and turning that back around to push for. Higher intimacy, higher advisorship, and ultimately higher, higher growth and retention is important. So my for, my my secondary is follow up, heavy down emoji like this. I carry which is like be that perpetual toddler. It's definitely paid off.
3: Can I throw one other uh, thing in here related to uh, what Ryan just said? Which uh, so I don't know if you guys know who Richard Feynman was. He's a phys- he's a physicist. He won the Nobel Prize. He worked on the atomic bomb. All those things. He's also a, like a super funny guy. Um, and a great teacher. And uh, Feynman's first principle is you must not fool yourself and you are the easiest person to fool, <laughs> right? So you have to be very Good. careful, right? That's literally, so you have to be very careful. One way to be careful is put your metrics uh, up for grab every year. Uh, ask, your, uh, ask your teams to rate them as to their utility, rate them as to how often uh, they work, um, do it anonymously. So people will tell you what they're actually thinking and you'll be surprised how often people will go, okay, I thought that was important and nobody's looking at it or nobody thinks it's true or whatever it is.
0: I say, kick it a lot. Love it. And when it's necessary, burn it down and build something back up from the (laughs) the richness that you've added to the soil. So pretty intense over here, I guess.
3: Um,
0: (laughs) Jay.
4: What? What? (laughs) <laughs> you had something to say. No, I was just I was, <laughs> I was just I I wrote down Richard Feynman. I'm going to go check that out. I love that quote and I love what you just said too about, you know, kicking it and burning it down. So, we could work together someday, Ryan. It'd be great.
0: I don't know. I think a lot of people would like to see that as long as Kerry is there with his guitar yeah. and he is pushing <laughs> forward Mission. the business and helping us market. I'm I'm there. Uh-huh.
2: Perfect. Well, I'm going to end things there because I think that is such a perfect summary of, of this call. I think it, it started from leading and lagging indicators, but I think we've taken it in such a fun direction just to be focusing on what matters for your business. Forget how you want to label them. Just focus on what matters. Um, thank you so much for joining Jay, Ryan, Kerry. It's been great to have you here. It's been a really, really fun conversation to be a part of. Yeah, thank thank you, you everyone who's yeah. uh, joined from home. Um, of course, you can find out more about Plan Hat uh, on our website and we'll be back in, I think, a couple of weeks. So watch out in your inbox, both for the recording of this and an invite to our upcoming webinar. Thanks so much for joining and we'll see you soon. Thank,
0: thank you, everyone. Christian. See you, Kerry. It Bye, is- Ryan. Bye.
4: Hey everybody, Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, Be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon.